Amen. Good morning. Glad you're with us this morning. Uh, you know, glad our visitors are with us and our, our home folks. And I think we've even got some home folks that came from a long way off. Uh, the the Lens are with us this morning. Glad that you are here. Uh, if you are a guest, we'd love to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, you can do that by giving us a little bit of information on a tear-out from your, from your bulletin and place that tear-out in the offering plate or give it to a minister at the end of the service at the back door. But we want to know who you are so we can, so we can minister to you. Uh, but right now, just excited that you're here. And if you would, take this time to greet one another. Let, a, let, let somebody know that you're excited to be in the house of the Lord today.
us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day you've given us to come here and worship you and learn more about you. Lord, please bless all these tithes and offerings and for them to further your kingdom. In your name, amen.
Church, you all can be seated. You know, from time to time, we want to try to highlight uh, some of the various ministries in our in our church. And this morning, I've asked I've asked Mark to come up and just talk a little bit about Sunday school, especially with today being our uh, Emotion Sunday. So, if you will give him your attention. class to come join us on Sunday mornings at 9.15. Uh, it's a great time to get to know each other a little bit better, get to know a group of folks, uh, kind of share life together with them, open the word together, uh, learn more about God, pray for each other. Uh, it's just great to belong to a Sunday school class. And we have classes from our babies all the way up to our senior adults. And so there is a class for you if you're not involved already. If you are involved, there's also a class for you, but you're in there. So, But um, thanks to our teachers. We've got some great teachers, and I really appreciate them. And um, You know, I love, you know, when I pick up the roles at the end of end of class each Sunday, sometimes I'll go by and there'll be a class that's staying a little bit longer, but they're sitting, sitting around a circle praying together. And I love to see that. I love to see a group of men praying together, praying for each other, a group of ladies sitting there praying for each other. Isn't it great to know that we have brothers and sisters that we can cast, you know, share our burdens with. And when you're in a Sunday school class, um, you know, that's a great way to share life together and share those burdens that we each have uh, with each other. Uh, last year, over the past couple of years even, um, I've had a, we've had a couple of classes who've had members who have been, had various illnesses or things that kept them at home for a long period of time. And the class has on a Sunday morning we'll take a little field trip maybe to their house and have class with them at their house. I've had a couple of classes do that. Well, that's pretty awesome to, uh, to share life together like that, to, to go to someone's home who can't make it here and have class with them. And so um, I think that's pretty, pretty awesome. Um, one other thing we had, you know, in our class, uh, we've studied spiritual gifts and you can, you can learn from each other you know, what other people see in you and what other people see your gifts are and how you can use those uh, for the kingdom here here at Northside. So I would encourage you to get involved in Sunday school. This morning we had a good, we had assembly and we had a promotion. We, all our young children who are going to the next grade level got uh, promoted to their class. And so um, we have a good time on Sunday mornings at 915. So I would encourage you to come join us. Thanks. Thank you, Mark. I would echo everything that he just said, uh, but I'm but I'm not going to. So I hope you were paying attention. But but yeah, everything was uh, just nothing takes the place of being in, involved in a Bible study with other folks. And so I'd encourage you if, if you haven't been or it's been a while, um, come and talk to one of us and, and let's get you plugged into a Sunday school class. Um, but if you have your Bibles, I would ask now that you would turn to the Book of Acts, Acts chapter six, uh, Acts chapter six. I'll be reading the first few verses there of Acts 6. And so if you have your Bibles, and uh, as, you, as you find the book of Acts, I would ask that you would please stand in the honor of reading God's Word. Acts 6, verse 1. In those days, as the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the whole company of the disciples and said, 
It would not be right for us to give up preaching about God to handle financial matters. Therefore, brothers, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the preaching ministry. The proposal pleased the whole company, so they called Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Simon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. They had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the preaching about God flourished. The number of disciples in Jerusalem multiplied greatly, and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. Lord, thank you for your word that you have given to us. May you honor the reading of your word today, and let us hear a message from you. Give us open hearts and ears to hear. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> So when I was when I was in high school, my my dad did something uh, for me that, looking back, I think both he and I would agree wasn't the brightest thing. He let me drive his brand new pickup truck to school, uh, and 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 I was okay for a few days. But then there was one day that I I made a right hand turn a little too sharply, and I clipped the front end truck of one of my good buddies, and it wasn't a good day for me when I got home. Um, but here's here's the, the 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 real catch for me, and I I love my mama. And I don't even know if she's listening to this today or will listen to it at some point. But but her question to me when I got home was was this: was the radio on? And being the the the, the wise young man that I was, I, I was I was real I was real. It wasn't a wise statement. I said yes, mom. It was so loud I couldn't see. That's what I told her. I said it was the radio was so loud I couldn't see. That that wasn't that just added to the the uh, the, the bad day that, that I'd had that day. Um, but the truth of the matter is uh, I was I was a little distracted. Okay, there's a new state law coming out. Hey, this is this is for you just to know. There's a new state law about driving and being distracted in the state of Georgia. I don't want to tell you what it is. You go and look it up. But Distracted drivers, I think, I, you know, again, I'm not a statistician. I hadn't looked at all the stats, but I can't fathom that there's a, a, a greater cause of accidents on the road than just being distracted, whatever that may be, um, whatever type that may be. Distractions can get to us and, and cause issues for us. If you were with us last week, you know that one of the things we talked about was how Satan attacked the church, and he attacked the church, the early church here in the book of Acts, on three different fronts. First of all, there was evil from without, and that was persecution, that he attacked the church from, uh, with, with persecution, uh, we see that uh, Peter and John were um, arrested and put into prison, and so Satan attacked the, the church with, with evil from without. Then there's evil from within, corruption. We, we specifically looked last week at Ananias and Sapphira and how they were corrupt in their hearts, and they tried to... Uh, Satan tried to instill a little bit of corruption or uh, uh, compromise within the church, but the church overcame that as well. And then today we're going to look at something uh, that, that I'm going to call a distraction, but I want you to hang with me here because obviously I just read the scripture. We, we're talking about ministering to widows. Okay, that's not a bad thing, but 
there is a little bit of a distraction here, and I want you to, to, to hang with me today as we walk through this together. But one thing I want you to notice is that through all of these things, through all of these things, the church continued to grow. So despite, despite the persecution, despite the corruption from within, the church purified continued to grow. Acts 1.15, there was 120 folks. Acts 2.41, 3,000 were saved. Acts 4.4, there were 5,000 that were saved. And so the church continues to grow. It's a very strong and vibrant church, although at this point in time, at this point in the book of Acts, the church is still in Jerusalem. It hasn't, it hasn't grown outside the walls of Jerusalem just yet. And so today, what I want to look at is this idea of distraction, that there were some good things, but it just wasn't the best thing. That sometimes in our lives, good can be an enemy of what is great. Now, I'm not the first to say that. There was somebody a lot smarter than me that said that. But the good can be the enemy of great because we go after what's good, but that's not what's best. <clears throat> Acts 6, 1, where we just read, again, we see this. In those days, as the number of the disciples was multiplying, so the church is still growing. The church is still growing here. Now, in the midst of this growth, however, right in the middle of this growth, so I don't know, maybe there's 15, maybe there's 20,000 of members of this church I don't really know but the church is big the church is continuing to grow in the midst of this there arose a complaint there arose a complaint now when I first came to Northside and um, I, I did this right after you guys voted me in I said I have two rules in youth ministry I, I was strategic in that I waited till after the vote passed but I said the first rule is, is no whining, and the second rule is respect others. And that's pretty, that's pretty simple. That's what I go by. In fact, if you go by my office door, you'll see down there on the bottom of the window, there's a little sign that says $5 charge for whining. I don't like whining. My kids will tell you that whining about something is one sure way to make sure that thing doesn't happen and the opposite actually happens. I don't like whining. But this isn't the same thing. A true and honest, legitimate complaint, a sincere uh, need that arises, it's not the same thing as, as, as whining about something, okay? So there is a complaint, and it's, it's a legitimate complaint. We are compelled in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament to care for widows. To uh, care for orphans is, and widows, James would say, is pure and undefiled religion. And so this is something that is, that is needed. It's a legitimate need. It's a legitimate concern. It's not, it's, it's not just someone whining about something. But let's look at the two groups that we have here. First of all, we have the Hebrews. These were uh, Palestinian Hebrews, lived there in the area, grew up in the area, probably spoke Aramaic and or Hebrew. Uh, and so since they were from the region and since they would trace their ancestry back to that region, they sometimes could be a little snobby because they thought they were a little bit a little bit more Jewish, if you will, than the Hellenistic Jews. The Hellenistic Jews come from a Greek culture. They were probably from the dispersion of the Jews earlier centuries earlier, okay, but had come back at this time and they were hearing this this new teaching about the Messiah. They were hearing about this uh, Jesus Christ and they had joined the church and so they probably they probably uh, spoke Greek. They maybe understood Hebrew a little bit. They probably read something that I shared last week. The Septuagint is probably what they read is, is the Old Testament, was the Greek translation of the Old Testament. 
But at, at, any, at any rate, there were two groups. They were Jewish uh, in, in their ancestry. They were also believers because they're part of the church. Okay, But there's two groups. And somebody said, we think the church is being a little partial to one group over this group. So what do we need to do about it? Because that doesn't seem fair, it doesn't seem just, it doesn't seem right. And so, yeah, we don't want to treat people differently just because of their heritage. That's not right in the church. And so we need to stop and consider what we have here. There's a need. There's a need that arises. Yes, we need to make sure, we need to make sure that the widows are, are cared for equally. We need to make sure that everyone is, is tended to. So that's the need. But here's, here's the deal. In a, in a church, now, it arose in the first century church. And throughout the centuries since that first church, and in churches, you know, far, far away, this kind of thing happens. There's a need that shows up, and people begin to develop opinions about that need. And there can be a little rift in the community of the church and the family of the church, and then and, and some division takes place, and ultimately you get, well, you get north side, and across the street you get new north side. And that's kind of the way it works. You, know, you, you, you say, well, that's enough. I'm, we're going to go plant our own church. We're going to, a, a church split. Uh, like I say, in churches far, far away, those kinds of things happen. But this could be, just the tip of a split. I mean, that, that's, that's really what we have here. And so, what do what do the apostles do? What can they do? Because it's brought to their attention. It's brought to the apostles' attention, and so a few ways they could go about taking care of this. One, they could they could ignore it. They really could. They could just ignore it. But the truth is, it's uh, it's a legitimate need. It's a legitimate need, and I don't think they really could ignore it. They saw that something was, was wrong, and so they knew that they needed to address it. So, as they address it, how could they, how could they make sure that it's taken care of? Well, they themselves could handle it. That is, they could make sure that the distribution of money or distribution of uh, food or whatever to the widows, they could make sure that the widows were taken care of. They could go and, and do that, but that really wasn't their calling. They could micromanage things, but that's really not that's really not their giftedness. That's not their calling. So it looks like they delegated some things. And what happens, what happens when this ministry is delegated is, first of all, well, the need gets met. That need gets met. And so, yes, there was a need that has arisen. We've delegated, somebody's taking care of that. There, the apostles' primary tasks are not neglected in this process because they've delegated to someone else. It also involves other people in ministry. It involves other folks in ministry. Just what our children's sermon was about this morning. Not everybody is a hammer. Not everybody can sing. Not everybody... Uh, is, is, is hospitable. Not every, we, we have different gifts. And we're to use those gifts in ministry to glorify our Father. And what we see happening in verse 7 
is that because they divided this, because they set aside deacons to take care of this ministry, we see in verse 7, it says, So the preaching about God flourished, the number of the disciples in Jerusalem multiplied greatly, and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. The church continued to grow. So they had more people doing ministry. They continued to do the ministry to which they were called, and the church grew. The church grew. Now, I, I love that because it's not, it's not about one person, but it's about a group of people doing ministry together, doing working out of their giftedness. So there are, there, there are a lot of gifted people here at Northside, and we do a lot of different things. But hold that thought. I'm going to come back to you in just a, in just a moment. My question here today is, did Satan attempt to distract the church? And, and I think he did because he brought this before the apostles. And they could have been distracted. What would have happened if the apostles had said, we'll take care of it and we'll go? You know, I, I don't really know, but if I can, but if I can just suppose a few things, maybe we don't see the first part of verse 7. Maybe we don't see the preaching about God flourished because they're no longer spending that time in prayer and preaching the gospel. Maybe we don't see men like Philip and Stephen who became deacons who get some more of their story is told later in the book of Acts. Maybe we don't see them come forward and fulfill ministries that God called them to because the apostles decided to take that on themselves. Maybe the church doesn't grow like it like it could have, like it actually did. So I believe that Satan was trying to distract them. But my question today, my question is, where might the church get distracted today in our world? How can the church get distracted? If the, if the apostles could have gotten distracted, that would have derailed the church. It would have distracted the church. I wonder, are there areas where our church can be distracted? And so, I've got just a few ideas here. And listen, if you, if, if you go ahead and tune me out, oh, excuse me, wake up, those who have already tuned me out, if you go ahead and tune me out, you miss the end of this, okay? It, 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 it's redeemable, okay? But, but you've got to pay attention all the way through. The first area where we can get distracted is poverty, social justice issues. The, the church that is distracted in this way focuses all of its energies on the poor, the helpless, the needy. We, we use the phrase, the least of these. This church will oftentimes use that passage from the teaching of, of Jesus to talk about the least of these. Set up clothes closets and food pantries and soup kitchens. Okay, The church can get distracted in that way. Hang with me. Another way that the church can get distracted is in the cultural or political reform. This type of church focuses their, their energies on the congregation, asks the congregation to, to think about changing or Christianizing an unregenerate culture and stresses the need to boycott or picket or, or vote according to a, a particular platform and is, is very active in the community in, in that regard political and cultural reform. A third area where the church can get distracted is surveying the community and looking for felt needs in the community. Uh, maybe you say, well, let's just look around at our community and see what our neighborhood needs, what, 
what can we set up? How can we establish ministries to meet the needs of folks in our neighborhood, whether it's after school and sports programs, or I've seen where a church gives out, they do free oil changes for uh, single moms and this kind of thing. Uh, okay, well, how about the fourth one? To win souls, to be seeker-friendly or to turn or burn. What I mean by this is so much emphasis is placed on coercing people to accept Christ, the church forgets what it means to really follow Christ. They make converts, but not disciples. Or sometimes they only seek for attendance. And attendance numbers are more important than sending numbers or exiting numbers or sending out. So a church says, we have this many that are gathered to worship on Sunday. But I think a greater question is, how many from your church have been sent out to be to be evangelists and to be uh, missionaries from your church. That's a, a great uh, concept to, to think about moving from, from people coming into church to people who are here. We're now sending them out to, be, to, to go out into their own field. Uh, a little story about this to help us understand what, I, what I'm saying is I was at a church one time and we brought in someone for uh, a revival. And he, he claimed to be a great evangelist, which is, which is good. We, we love to have evangelists to share the gospel. We want to see people come to know Christ, so, so don't get me wrong. But I saw this take place. There was a student in my youth ministry, one of, the, one of the guys that if you said, hey, tell me some of the people in your student ministry that you really believe are Christians, he's one of the ones I would have put right at the top. I thought, you know, I can't really look into his heart, but I can see the fruit in his life, and I think, this guy's a Christian. Okay, I, I really think he's a, he's a Christian. He, 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 whenever we open the Bible, he wants to learn. He wants to know what's there. He, he, he comes and asks me questions independently. He wants to serve. I really think this is a guy who is a Christian. And I saw this. I saw this man come, and he didn't know anybody. We were at a football game on Friday night, and he cornered this student of mine and um, convinced him that he wasn't saved, prayed with him right there to receive Christ, and then told him to go find somebody and tell him that his whole life had been a lie and that, he, that, that, that he's now a Christian. And I talked to this guy, and, and it, really, it really irked me because I thought, I, I understand that sometimes we think we were saved as children and, and something changes, but I didn't really sense that this was the case at all. I thought this was a man who just used a lot of pressure to convince a, a young man that, that he was wrong and in need of Christ. And so it felt like to me that he was simply looking for maybe notches in his belt so that he could write a letter to, 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 to somebody and, and, and tell them how many people he had saved. And that's what I thought his whole point was. And then the thing that bothers me about that is not that he's sharing the gospel. I love the fact that he shares the gospel. Don't get me wrong. But, but we're to make disciples, not just make converts by any means necessary. We're to make disciples. And all of these things that I've listed up here, poverty and social justice, cultural and political reform, community needs, winning souls for Jesus, these are all good things. They're not bad things. So this is why I said, hang on and pay attention. I'm not condemning any of these things up here. These are good things. These are good things. We must seek justice in our community. We must care for the needy and the hungry, for the orphans and the widows, 
we must take our civic duties seriously. We must witness and pray to see people come to know Christ. But listen, we must never divorce the activity of the church from the gospel and the call to follow Jesus Christ. We make disciples. We can use these ministries in order to share the gospel, but we can never divorce that from the gospel itself. If that's what we're looking for, then we're just, can, we can just join the Kiwanis Club or the Lions Club or the Red Cross or the United Way or whatever, whatever social organization we think is out doing some good in the community. So these things have to go together. We can get distracted if we put so much emphasis on just social reform, political reform, or whatever, that we forget the gospel and we forget that we're to call people to follow Jesus Christ. We have to be careful. So it bears a question, what then is the gospel? What is the gospel? John 3.16 lays it out pretty well for us. It's a verse that most of us are familiar with. God so loved the world. He does. He loves you. He loves you. In spite of your sin, in spite of your uh, wanting to uh, reject him, God loves you. God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Should not perish, what does that mean? Well, because of your sin, you've earned death and hell. And there's not a thing you can do about it. Nothing, you, you can't be good enough to overcome that sentence. But, remember, God loves you, and he sent his son, that if you'll believe in him, he's the Messiah. You don't have to perish. You can have eternal life with him. That's the gospel. We're lost in our sin. Destined for hell. The only thing we can do is repent to turn from that sin and to pursue Jesus Christ, to follow him. And that's the gospel. So that's what, that, when, we, when we have upward, we need, to, we need to make sure that the gospel is presented. Is that something that we can do in our community to to is, provide for our community? Certainly, we can do that. Are there other needs in our community? Are there ways that we can go and, and serve and, and, and be a part of a, a soup kitchen or a, or a clothing ministry? Can we, can we uh, be active in the political realm? Yes, we can. But we need to make sure that we carry the gospel with us. We need to make sure that we carry the gospel with us. But not only that, from this passage today, all the ministries that we may have. And we have some great ministries here at Northside. It's not just the pastors and elders that run these ministries. We have great ministries here that are run by some great folks who are far more gifted than I know that I am at those, at those ministries. We've got, got a brand new ministry specifically towards widows. That, that has just been launched this week. Uh, Ms. Ms. Pat Stroud is, is doing that, and I'm so excited about how that's going to unfold over the next few months. And so I'm, I'm excited about that. But we, are, we all have different gifts, different personalities, different training, different, uh, different experiences and, and background. And here's the thing. God uses those uniquely in us so that we can perform a unique task within a ministry. But again, not to be distracted 
but we don't carry the gospel with us. We don't do ministry for the sake of just making folks feel good. We do ministry because we come alongside and, 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 and we, we, we bring the gospel with us to see people come to know Christ, to see people follow Christ, and to, be, and to make disciples. A few months ago, a lot of the ministry leaders met together, and there was a, a question that was asked among our, our ministry leaders, and it was simply this. What is your ministry doing to make disciples? What is your ministry doing to make disciples? Whether it's choir, music ministry, whether it's teaching in Sunday school, whether it's Awana, men's ministry, women's ministry, whatever it is that, 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 that you're leading, what ministry it is that, that you're leading, benevolence ministry, what are you doing in that ministry to make disciples? What are you doing to make disciples? Because that's what we are supposed to do. That's what we've been commissioned to do from Jesus Christ. And so it bears asking again, what is a disciple? What does a disciple look like? If you were to say, this is the type of person that I would love to see, here's the kind of person, this is what a disciple is, what is a disciple? You know, Jesus, when he first called his disciples, he first called Peter and Andrew and John and James, he first called them out. You know what he said? He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Now stop for a second. A disciple is somebody that follows Jesus, but he's transformed by Jesus. Follow me, I will make you fishers of men. A disciple is someone who then goes out and makes other disciples. What is a disciple? Someone who's following Jesus, constantly being transformed into the image of Jesus, but is also going out, finding other people to bring to Jesus Christ. Finding other people to disciple. Someone who is replicating. This discipleship process multiplies itself. <coughs> so we have a lot of great ministries here. We've got a lot of good folks leading these ministries. We've got, we got ministries that help make disciples in so many different areas. Honestly, we, we've also got some folks who, who really aren't involved in ministry. We've got some positions right now that are, un, that are unfilled. So there's more potential there. But we need people who will step up and fill those positions. In the next couple of months, our nominating team will be coming to some of you and asking, would you consider serving? Would you consider serving in this area? And I know some of the hindrances. Some of the hindrances, are, I'm, I'm not really sure what that looks like. I'm not sure what the commitment is. I don't know what my spiritual gifts are. So let me help with just some of those. The uh, commitment, just ask. Ask them, what, what is the commitment here? What are you looking for? Is it weekly? Is it, is it every other week? Is it, is it once a month? It, will I have to prepare during the week? Do I need to be able to, do I need to, be able to communicate often with, via email or or telephone call, how, you know, what, is, what, are, what are my commitments? Spiritual gifts. We heard just this morning that in Sunday school, there was a great opportunity for people to understand their spiritual gifts. 
that's something that, that, that we can help you with. If you, you say, I, I, I just would like to know what my spiritual gifts are. We can help you understand that. We can help you in that regard. And then serve out of your spiritual gifts. The commitment that you make to serve in ministry, I feel like I can say this, the commitment you make is always overshadowed by the blessing you receive. At least it has been for me and for dozens of other folks that I've talked to. You know, yes, it takes a little bit of work sometimes. Yes, there's sometimes I feel like sleeping in. Yes, there's sometimes that I don't want to do. I, I, I feel pulled in other directions, but I know I made a commitment. And so I get up and I do the job that I committed to. And oh man, the blessings. The blessings far overshadow any of the commitments. It's not always pretty. I haven't always done things right. I've made a lot of mistakes along the way. Hopefully, though, I've learned from those. So today, we look at this passage. We've got deacons who are appointed. We've got widows who are taken care of. We've got a potential issue in the church to distract the apostles from their teaching. But instead, the, the, the apostles are allowed to flourish in their giftedness and their calling. And now these deacons are allowed to flourish in their gifting and in their calling. And I believe that we as Northside can do the same. As we get folks involved in ministry, not for just the sake of doing ministry, but for the sake of sharing the gospel with people. And I believe if we do that, we too can see our numbers multiply. That we too can see the church grow. But I'll leave you with two questions this morning. One, are you involved in ministry somewhere? We got some folks who are involved in so many areas. But are you involved in a ministry? And then secondly, are you making disciples? Are you making disciples? That's what Jesus has charged us to, to do. Make disciples. Let's pray. Father, I come to you this morning and I realize that the church, the culture looks at the church and there's so many things we can do, so many really good things we can do. I mean, we can we can build houses for folks, we can we can uh, give them some clothes, we can feed folks, we can set up ministries, we can, uh, you know, offer sports programs, we can offer ministries to, to widows, we can have ministries to people who are in the service, uh, veterans. Father, we can do so many good things. But Lord, let us not get distracted that we don't also carry the gospel with us. And the reason we do things is because the love of Christ compels us, and we have to share that with, with people. Father, may I never just do things just to be active in the church. Lord, help me to always seek to make disciples. People who follow you, people who are transformed by you, and people who then go out and make other disciples. Father, I ask that uh, if there's someone here this morning that's never taken that first step to say, I, I want to follow Jesus. Lord, today could be that day. Today could be the day that they first come to you and say, sorry and I, 
I repent of my sin. I want to follow you because you're the Messiah. You're the Lord. You're my Savior. Father, today, let, that, let today be that day of salvation. And Lord, you'll continue to work in them and, and shape them. Father, help us as a church to come alongside folks and, and help us to make disciples. So, Father, as you speak to us now, may we listen and respond in an appropriate way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you will, please stand. And as the Holy Spirit works in you, you respond. It may be there in your chair, maybe up here. You can come and, and pray at the altar. Or I would love to pray with you if that's something you'd like to do. But as the Lord speaks, you listen. Glad he came to church this morning. And listen, just want to mention a, a couple of things to you. Uh, so, I told you that we had some vacancies in, in some ministries. One of those is our children's church. Uh, our first and second graders, we just, we just don't have enough to fill that. And so, I uh, would love for you to, if you think God may be leading you in that way, to do that. I, as I understand, there's some potential uh, openings in Sunday school. Um, so, love for you to be a part of that as well. There, there, there are others. So if you feel like God's leading you to serve, uh, come and talk to me. Uh, talk to talk to somebody and, and, and let's know and let's let's get you plugged in. And I promise you, the blessings far overshadow any of the commitment that you that you make. Uh, tonight we have our song service here, our music worship service, and so I'd love for you to come back and be a part of that. Invite invite some friends, some neighbors. Now here's here's part of here's part of what's happening tonight is request for hymns and so if you have a request and this is something that we would love for you to do is go ahead think about what hymn you'd like like to be sung but uh, if you can do a little bit of research on that song and give us just a little just a little 90 second background on that song why it was written who wrote it what circumstances and uh, we'd love to hear that and so we'd love for you to come back tonight and then something that 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 I missed um Last uh, yesterday, Connor Fortner left to go to Mexico on a mission trip. Uh, Morgan Runyon's is working at a camp this summer as, as a missionary, working as a camp that she used to attend as a, as a teenager. And then also Sarah Chappelle, is she in here? When, when do you leave? Friday. Okay, I'm not going to say anything else because I'm not sure if we're still recording, but remember to pray for, remember to pray for Sarah and Connor and Morgan. Uh, and these folks, and I love to see, I love to see our young people going out and, and, and taking 
taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. Uh, so let's remember them in, in prayer. And um, Philip, if you will, come and close us out in a word of prayer. tasked with saying a few words about a family and a man himself who doesn't like a whole lot of notoriety for what they do, the good they do in this church and the good they do in advance of the gospel. Uh, as Christians, we don't want notoriety for the good things we do when we serve one another, but there's notoriety and there's simple gratitude, so please take this as that. Uh, five years ago this week, BJ, uh, BJ Cobb joined our staff as the associate pastor. In that time, I think if you query many of our students, they would uh, say that that time has enriched their lives for the better. And now in this time of transition for us, he's taken the will of this church, and not only has he taken the will of it with no question as to how it would affect him or his family personally, but he's made it clear that we're going to the next level. We're honing back in on the business of making disciples, which, as he said, is what we charge for. So, BJ, thank you for joining us with your family uh, together, I think most of you would agree with me that they come together as six of the most selfless people God ever allowed to walk this earth. So if it's from, you know, free medical advice, uh, somebody with a hand on your shoulder, you know, praying for you when that thing happens to you that you think couldn't happen. Uh, if it's one of the Cobb brothers holding the door for you, helping you carry something in from the car. If it's Hannah hugging you, telling you she loves you before she asks who you are. Uh, Cobb family know that we love you. Uh, we're very grateful that you're here, and we hope you're with us for a long time to come. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for allowing us to gather and worship you, Lord. Uh, thank you for the charge that you've given us to make disciples. Father, as we leave from here, as we do every week, I pray that we would be about that business and, and, and really nothing else but making disciples and serving one another. Be with us now so we can come back together again tonight. Ask these things in Christ's name.